I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into You Better You Bet here on the BetQL Network. We're going to bring in a good friend of the show, Alex Christensen, a.k.a. Noops, as we continue our NBA free agency talk. Alex, the big news everyone wants to know and kind of the only thing that everyone's talking about right now in the NBA is the Damian Lillard potential trade and where he goes. Mark and I were just talking in the last segment. Philly is 6-1 to to land Lillard as Lillard's next team. Any shot you see him ending up with your 76ers next year? Uh, there's always a chance for everything, but it seems pretty unlikely, in my opinion. Uh, Damian Lillard was talking about arguably the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time. He doesn't have a no-trade clause like Bradley Beal, but I think the team's going to do everything they can to get him where he wants to go. I haven't heard him mention Philadelphia yet, but either the Sixers will have to do that with James Harden or, God forbid, trade Tyrese Maxey, which I think is probably too much for them. It seems like that team's moving in a different direction. So at this point, I'm assuming Lillard's going to be a member of the Miami Heat. That seems to be the favorite just about everywhere. There's a market for that. Everyone I talk to seems to think that's where he's going to end up. So it's just a matter of Miami finding the right assets and maybe a third team to facilitate this. But expect Dame to be in Miami. Alex, if that's the case, you know, we were talking a little bit about earlier about how it, they're probably going to need a third or a fourth team to facilitate it, someone to take on, you know, Tyler Hero's contract or, you know, whatever the moving parts are. It seems like it's not going to be a perfect fit between what Portland wants in return and what Miami has on the roster. Um, what are the, some of the teams that you think could be involved in this trade? And is there a team out there that maybe might be flying under the radar that could swoop in and kind of make a move as a third or fourth team that people might not be thinking of? Yeah, I could see, you know, you've got teams that are great kind of dumping ground teams like Utah. San Antonio is in a good position to try to maybe absorb some contracts um, or some veteran players like that. It is really tough to figure out, though. A lot of the trades you're looking at seems to, again, try to find uh, Miami enough ways to really incent them with enough picks. But, uh, yeah, you look for some of those fringe teams and, I'm not quite sure that there's going to be a lot of other players here that impact it. Again, the most creative three-team trade idea I heard is the Sixers moving James Harden somewhere and Lillard being a part of that with, again, some third team picking up Harden. The Sixers getting some secondary players to kind of fill that roster out. And then, um, you know, Dame going kind of where, again, it's hard to put together. As I keep talking about it, I'm trying to forget where Dame even goes in that situation. So uh, whoever the third team here is, again, going to be more of a facilitator, probably not a huge impact on their season coming up. Speaking of James Harden, any validity to the talks of him possibly staying in Philly, that maybe the relationship with he and Daryl Morey is kind of being resolved a little bit? He and um, Joel Embiid were at Michael Rubin's white party the other night together, so maybe they're palling around again. Any shot that Harden actually wants to be in Philly next year? 
he is technically a sixer until he is not. So always a chance that he doesn't move on. But again, everything that you're kind of looking at, it seems like Philadelphia is trying to find a way to set themselves up to either acquire another star, acquire some high-level secondary players to fill in, build flexibility for next year when Tobias Harris comes off the cap, and they potentially have some really big moves to make there. So, um, yes, he could stay. You know, I think there's – probably about a 70% chance he leaves, maybe 30% chance he stays, even less than that. But again, a lot of it becomes, as each day passes, there's less teams with less cap room to make this sort of work. So it's mostly because it's just tough to find a destination, right? Harden was supposed to go to Houston all offseason. Houston doesn't get Webb and Yama, deciding to stay young here, it looks like, um, and just focusing on some smaller moves. Alex, when we look at the top of the Eastern Conference odds boards, you know, you have Boston, you have Milwaukee, the usual suspects, um, you know, and then, then you have the Heat, which I'm sure will change if Lillard's a part of that deal. We'll probably see another big line move there. But, you know, in regards to Milwaukee and especially Boston, like, they've had interesting off seasons, I feel like. Milwaukee obviously changes coaches and, you know, brings back Middleton, um, which, you know, I think is good for them if he can, you know, stay healthy. But Boston really got a facelift. They moved Marcus Smart out. Um, really bringing Porzingis, really changing the team. And it's not really the facelift that I think a lot of people expected. You know, Missoula a little underwhelming in the postseason. How do you rate the two teams in the East? And, and which offseason were you more impressed with and think will be more beneficial in the future? And do you think both these teams are done now? I don't think Boston is done. They're kind of never done. There's always a move that they're sort of looking for. But I was really impressed with Milwaukee. There are a lot of whispers that Middleton opted out to go somewhere else. They had a chance to lose Brooke Lopez to some of these teams. And you lose one, even one of those guys, let alone both of them, it falls apart really quickly. So it was really important for Milwaukee to maintain both of those guys. And I continue to believe they're probably the best team in the East, even if Miami has Damian Lillard at some point going into next year. Giannis is great. Middleton is going to have plenty of time to come to the season, finally be healthy. Drew Holiday's been playing great basketball. And again, able to retain Brooke Lopez, hopefully find a couple other pieces to put together here. You know, Jay Crowder hopefully will actually play basketball for them next year. So I like what they did. The Celtics, I don't know. They've tried to bolster the bench by bringing in a lot of good assistant coaches. I think that will help. But ultimately, it comes down to how the team reacts to the Marcus Smart trade. He was the leader in that locker room, kind of the spiritual leader of that team. And I agree with Boston's decision to try to move him out as a way of challenging Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who just haven't taken this team over yet. But they still lack a true point guard. You look up and down this roster, and I think the struggle for this team every year, once things get tough, the ball stops, the offense gets stale. It's almost the exact opposite of what you watch with a team like the Nuggets or even Sacramento, where there's just this constant movement, cutting, passing, picking, moving around. Boston gets really ISO heavy lately. So I was hoping that they would try to, again, find a point guard, maybe somebody like Van Vliet somehow, even get in on Chris Paul a little bit there just to shake things up. But they continue to trust those two big stars, which is probably a good idea. I like Porzingis, again, another shooter there. So Boston will still be very good, but I like Miami a little better, and I think they had a more important offseason. Alex, I know the Rockets are your favorite team to bet on each and every year. Bit of sarcasm there. Um, but Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Fleet go to the Rockets now. They could be a formidable team in terms of maybe making the play-in tournament. I'm not talking that they're going to, you know, be a top-six seed, make the playoffs, anything like that. But are there ways that you're maybe anticipating betting on the Rockets, either this season or, like, a, a win total over something like that? I know the market's not out yet for those. 
but are you finding ways to bet on a team like that that's kind of bringing in some pieces to actually make their young roster a little bit better? I did actually bet the Rockets quite a bit last year, but only in the first half of games. It was just an incredible team early. They fell apart late. We'll probably continue with that strategy because a lot of positives and negatives in that offseason. I didn't mention Dylan Brooks, but I don't know if that's a guy that I want in the room with a very young team. Now, Fred Van Vliet is exactly the guy that you want in the in the locker room, teaching these guys, getting them to do the right thing. So I think that's a very exciting move. The team itself definitely got better, but I just – I don't see what the shape of it looks like. Van Vliet will be the point guard. You've got Jalen Green. I worry about how assertive Dylan Brooks is going to try to be, taking the ball from young, talented players, again, like Green, Jabari Smith, and Shangoon. But up and down this roster, it's really exciting. You've got talent at every single position. I like that they were able to get Porter Jr. to the bench. Hopefully that gets him to be maybe a little more serious about um, playing and being in the best shape that he can be in. A guy like Sam Hauser and Grant Williams, those are two nice guys to kind of slide in there to challenge at least the more talented players ahead of them on the, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong roster right now. Um, looking at, again, guys like Kevin Porter Jr. on the bench. Whitmore was a great pickup. So finally I have some adults in the room. I, I just wonder if Dylan Brooks is the right adult. So going to be a little hesitant on Houston. I still expect them to be bad. Alex, I was on yesterday with Rick Camp. We were talking about, you know, the Chicago Bulls. And it's just one of the teams that just is stuck in neutral, right? And franchises get that way in the NBA. They can't get over the hump. And they're stuck in that playoff, uh, play-in, playoff, you know, kind of uh, tier. Is there anything that the Bulls can do? Like, do you see them getting involved in any uh, trades or anything with these players moving around, maybe hopping in, being a third team? They have top-end talent, you know, in DeRozan and Levine that teams might be interested in. Is there anything they can do to shake up the roster? You have a few teams in the league that generally struggle with the idea of looking at the roster and kind of tearing it down, but that's where you are, and I think that's why you see the Vucevic resigning. Now, I didn't think that was a complete disaster. You know, you extend it for a couple of years. The number is actually fairly reasonable, and it keeps together a team that, when healthy, was really competent last year. They, they were really competitive, were able to figure out some defensive stuff late in the year, and if they can retain Caruso and kind of keep that together, they still could be a good team. But that ownership in that franchise, time in, time out, has chosen to try to contend for a playoff spot happy to be a team that's never going to win the championship, but never will be in the lottery. You know, kind of what you've seen the Pacers do for years and years and years, even before the last couple seasons. So maybe, I just don't know, A, is Chicago the organization could be willing to accept that? B, who's excited to trade for Zach Levine? Who's excited to trade for DeMar DeRozan? You know, you've got a guy like Patrick Williams there. He's really interesting, but not a lot to entice people. And again, I just don't know if there's an attitude in the front office to try to tear this thing down like they probably need to. Yeah, you are uh, preaching to the choir there, Alex. The Bulls, they I mean, they just want to fill the seats every year, be good enough just to fill the seats, not quite bad enough to miss a play-in. It's uh, Keep selling Jordan jerseys. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Suns, let's go out west. Suns made quite a few moves in free agency with bringing in some backups, some bench players, even some veteran players on the minimum. How would you rate what they've done in free agency so far with – the cap space that they had to use after the Bradley Beal trade because they didn't have a whole lot of room to bolster their roster at all, and they didn't have a whole lot of depth prior to free agency. Yeah, I think in the context of what they're trying to do and how they entered the offseason, being able to acquire a player like Beal with you know basically giving up very few assets that you care about at this point makes sense. Now, if you go all the way back to the Kevin Durant trade, yes, it's Kevin Durant. you got to get Kevin Durant, but – 
how do you not hold on to at least Cam Johnson in that trade? Why are you giving up so many picks there? You turn into Washington again. You kind of give the rest of the war chest away there, but not too much. But at the end of the day, this is one of those teams where historically this hasn't worked. Um, you know, trying to bring together three, four stars over an offseason with very few guys behind them. You think about the first version of the Miami Heatles. It was just LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. They hadn't learned how to play together yet. Just no backups, and you saw how thin that team was. The Lakers team that lost the fourth title. Again, same thing, really thin. Tried to bring in a bunch of guys. The Lakers version was Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. And then the Brooklyn Nets team, the L.A. Clippers, time and time again, you try to go into an offseason, you basically wipe out your entire team except these four or five guys, and it just sort of falls apart. Now, Devin Booker is great. DeAndre Ayton is great. Bradley Beal is great. Um, you know, outside of the last year, all three of those guys have been pretty healthy. You know, hopefully Durant, they can find a way to manage him. And if this team can get into the postseason and find a way to fill out the rest of the roster with, you know, minimum guys, maybe veteran signing guys, um, maybe could do something. But I'm really worried about the structure of this team. And I know, Kate, you know, there's at least one team that everyone thinks is really good. I bet to miss the playoffs this year. It's almost certainly going to be Phoenix. <laughs> Alex, so let's stay in the West. Um, you know, Denver loses Bruce Brown, but, you know, the main story I felt like with their season was their depth and their ability to stay healthy after so many years of, you know, not being able to get over the hump. When you look at the landscape of the Western Conference, where do you see the best value in the odds boards? Where are you most comfortable with a team? You know, is it Denver at the top? Is it the Lakers who made a ton of moves are going to be committed to, you know, moving through more of the offense through a guy like Reeves? How do you see the West shaping up? And just as from an odds perspective, where do you think the most value is? Yeah, it's tough at this point. I'm mostly in cross-out mode. And again, you've got the Suns as the second favorite. I understand that and that, to, for that to happen, they have to get to the playoffs and all that stuff. I'm worried about that, so I'll cross them off. The Nuggets are the favorite at plus 225. I actually have just a touch of value on that. I'm not betting 225 at this point. I had a little closer to plus 180, plus 190. So still like that Nuggets number, but looking for maybe plus 250, I think, as the season goes on. We have a chance to scoop some three-to-ones on them to win the West. As you go further down, I do love what the Lakers did. They were able to retain key players. They made that team a little bit better. I think that number is just about right at plus 550. Um, they are the third favorite to win the West, which I think speak kind of volumes about where we are with the West. You have one team in the Nuggets. It's great. The Suns with a lot of potential, but a lot of question marks. The Lakers kind of a, a team in the middle there that should be pretty good. Not a lot of faith in the Golden State Warriors. I do like what they did from an offseason perspective. Um, moving Jordan Poole out of that locker room is going to be really great. I think Chris Paul brings an interesting dynamic. And then you get further down the board, you've got the Clippers, the Mavericks, Honestly, the Grizzlies at 12 to 1 are probably the best number on this board. And um, it sounds crazy for me to say that, but I'm a little disappointed they moved out Tyus Jones. That's going to be tough, make it tougher for them during um, Jaws' suspension to win a lot of games. But that team is really deep. It's really young. They get better and better every year. And once Morant comes back, he seems like the kind of guy that is going to try to rip through the end of this season, remind everyone of how great he is, and just really try to blow out the rest of that season. So I think the best number on the board right now is the Grizzlies. Alex, 10 seconds. Who's winning Wimbledon? I know you're a tennis guy. Wimbledon on the women's side, it's probably going to be Iga Sriantek, but if you're looking for a little bit of better number, go down a little further on the board. Arena Sabalenka, the great, big, powerful Belarusian, is, has a perfect game for this surface. She's going to be about second or third favorite, around four to one or so at this point, I think is a, a number worth playing. Really fun. You're going to love watching every single one of her matches. Tons of emotion. Really fun tennis. So give me Sabalenka. 
Awesome. Love it. Thank you for joining us, Alex, and all of your inside. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your day. That was Alex Christensen, a.k.a. Noops, dropping some free agency insight. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back. This is You Better You Bet here on the Beck Heel Network.